This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everyone, it's Jan here and good that you're listening to the Langpreneur podcast because I have another, another special interview for you today and the guest on the podcast today is daniel welsh uh, daniel is um he's a blogger well a blogger a youtuber also a podcaster and a writer but he uh, he basically started teaching english in spain uh, when he was 20 years old and um well, he basically he saw his career he liked teaching actually but uh, he didn't like the salary and he also didn't like the schedule so he decided to start a blog and um, so basically a blog for Spanish people who wanted to learn English and this blog eventually turned into a business. Um, Daniel sells online courses and these days um, the biggest part of his revenue comes from um, from the sales of his books that he sells on Amazon. So in this episode we're going to talk about imperfection because Daniel is not a perfectionist and he's going to share with us how he used imperfectionism to actually outbeat his competition. But we're also going to talk about how you can publish your language books on Amazon and actually make money with that, right? So basically create another almost passive income stream by publishing books on Amazon. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are ready, then let's get started with this interview. Here we go. Hey, Daniel, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Um, yeah, here, in the podca- here on the podcast, we always start with um, the background stories of our guests. So, yeah, feel free to introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about your business, where you're from and how you got involved with, with uh, languages. All right, well... I moved to Spain from the United States when I was 21 years old. That's kind of a long story. <laughs> but I just ended up in Spain, and the typical thing everybody was doing, you know, native English speakers were just teaching English. So I got into English teaching at a very young age. I was younger than all of my students for a while. <laughs> and then just gradually I started a blog and I started publishing on Amazon, which I know you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then I started a whole bunch of other things, and now I have sort of a, an online English teaching empire, which I don't have physical students. I have no boss. I have no schedule. You know, full-on independent oh, okay. language guy at this point. Yeah. So it's been kind of a long journey. Mm-hmm. I guess you've probably got questions about it. Yeah, well, that sounds really interesting. I did actually didn't know about uh, the thing, you know, the latter. Um, but we will go more into that later. First, let's, you know, I'm wondering, like, how easy is it for an American to move to Europe and to find a job teaching English? Well, I did it in 2004. It was pretty easy. In Spain, they weren't very strict about these, you know, things. So I was able to do it. I'm, I didn't do it in a fully above-board way, mm. let's say. I don't recommend anybody do what I did, Yeah. but I just kind of showed up 
on a tourist visa and stayed for a really long time. And eventually the, everything worked out. They gave me a visa to be an official, you know, uh, member of the Spanish society. And after renewing that for a while, I was able to also be freelance. And that's where I am now. I've got the, the whole thing. It's not exceptionally easy, but if you really want to do it, you can make it work. Mm-hmm. Do you like working as, a, as an English teacher? I really did enjoy teaching. What I didn't enjoy was the schedule and the salary, basically. In I don't know what it's like in other countries in Europe. In Spain, you know, we had this big economic crisis, which meant that people suddenly got really a lot more price conscious and, you know, everybody was losing money. So that's when I started the blog and I was just able to expand, you know, expand to a much larger audience, meaning that I didn't have to depend on a few people wanting to, you know, pay me what I felt I was worth. And the schedule, um, you know, I would be in one place at eight in the morning and then I would have to go to some other place at 10 in the morning and then I'd have three hours off and, you know, then I'd be working in the afternoon in a completely different place. All of that. The actual teaching was great, but um, comes with a couple of other things so what, that I enjoyed less. Yeah. So, what was the reason you started your blog? Was this like you knew? Did you know that it was possible at the time to turn a blog into a business? Did you have like the intention of quitting your job, living off your blog, or was it more like did you use it as a tool to um, for your for your for your students? As a resource. Really, I wanted to use it as sort of a online business card. I figured that I could, this is 10 years ago, so I figured that I could use the, you know, the cachet that having a website gave me to raise my prices. I don't know if people are still impressed by someone with a website, but 10 years ago, it was like I thought I could go to important people and be like, hey, I'm Daniel, I have a website pay me 30 euros an hour. And at the same time, uh, the economy collapsed. And so that completely failed as a plan. And after that, I started just trying to keep creating useful content. And I started getting traffic from all over Latin America and all over other parts of Spain. I was in Madrid at the time. And, uh, you know, all of these people who would never be able to hire me for a private lesson were still visiting my site and asking me questions and really enjoying what I was doing. So I just decided I should find some way to monetize the blog rather than, you know, using the blog to to raise prices for my private lessons. Yeah, exactly. And what is it exactly what you do on your blog for people who don't know what you do? Like you were basically helping Spanish, le- sorry, Spanish speakers to learn English, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I've got by this time hundreds of articles where i just teach different topics of grammar vocabulary pronunciation youtube has been great for pronunciation because i can just go and i can i can record what things actually sound like otherwise people try to do phonetic transcription and you know it's not always very successful so yeah i use youtube for pronunciation i have a podcast now where i also do you know, audio versions of these posts. And generally, I'm just, you know, trying to make useful stuff, SEO friendly for for Spanish people, 
Spanish-speaking people. Basically, yeah. Yeah, I, le I at least do the SEO part and the, the introduction and the title in Spanish. Of course, if I'm teaching English, I have to put a certain amount of English in there. If I'm teaching the difference between, you know, still yet and already, I have to put still yet and already in the title. But, you know, otherwise, I give examples in English and the explanation in Spanish. It's just a lot more comfortable for most people in the Spanish-speaking world that way. Mm -hmm. When you got started with your blog like 10 years ago, was there a lot of competition? Were there a lot of guys out there, um, I mean like native English, uh, native English speakers with a blog for, for Spanish speakers teaching English? It's funny because I do remember checking out the competition and at the time I was very discouraged because I thought like, oh there's already, you know, four or five blogs about English and they're doing so well, I could never match that. And a few years later, like most of those people, I look at their blogs now and I'm like, this is a joke. Um, I, it took me a while, but you know, I've, I've created so much content and you know, I go back and I improve everything you know, from time to time. So I've just got, you know, I've been able to create something that's better than most of the competition. A lot of the blogs also, like language schools, for example, have blogs that you get the idea that they're written by unpaid interns. They're not very good, but they've been there forever. So they've got, you know, good rankings on Google. Um, it's not too hard to, to compete with those either if you're doing something that's high quality. Yeah. So what do you think eventually um, helps you to beat your competition? Like, to beat those other blogs that were already out there when you started, did they just stop updating their blogs and you kept going, or like did you go in a certain niche, or did you specialize in like focus more on YouTube or on podcast, or what do you think uh, made your blog successful in the end compared to all the other blogs that? That's an interesting question. Um, I think I am pretty good at just putting a lot of stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't, this is not, um, you know. That can be a working I, strategy, right? You just put a lot of content out there and there's always a few articles or YouTube videos that, that are going to be picked up yeah. by Google search or YouTube, YouTube yeah, search. Yeah, I'm a little bit embarrassed even to be talking about it. But, yeah, basically <laughs> my strategy is just put a lot of stuff out there. Some of it is going to suck. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, I'm not a perfectionist and I don't really... When people say, like, oh, I could never do X, Y, Z because I'm a perfectionist, I'm just like, you know what? You got to work so hard to even get to the point where you can claim to be a perfectionist that you might as well just start sucking now and and be a perfectionist in 10 years after you've put in all the, put in all the legwork. So, yeah, I've got all kinds of, I've got a thousand or more articles out there and I've got 500 videos and... A lot of them are not very good, but the algorithm just picks up some of them and here we are. Yeah. Well, I think there's a very important lesson in what you just said there because many people that maybe haven't started yet or they're very slow because they want to make everything perfect, but you are a little bit the opposite here from, from what I understand. You just produce a yeah. lot of content and you get a little bit better every single time. And if you do that for 10 years, just like you have, then, well, then you have yeah. a real business, right? So. 
if yeah. we talk about and numbers like you, you can improve yeah. too you can go back and you can improve your old articles like i go back and i find articles that i wrote you know 10 years ago they're six sentences long some of them i just delete and some of them i think oh well that's a good idea let me expand it into something else you're not like stuck with that on youtube you are kind of stuck with whatever you uploaded years ago but you know also i know all these people who are like yeah i'm gonna start youtube but first i've got to get a perfect home studio set up and it's like okay that's great but in the time you're getting your studio set up i'm gonna make 20 more videos <laughs> exactly you just flip out your iphones and you shoot another 20 videos yeah and um oh. i'm going to improve you know my process by making those 20 videos before you've even gotten started and you know I'm going to have that much more real estate online that I've got the keywords and, you know, exactly make a lot of stuff. It's all about building online assets, right? Yeah. Every YouTube video, every quality blog post that you put out there. Yeah. It's just another brick for, you know, that, that eventually lay the foundations for a profitable business. Yep. So if we talk about numbers like your YouTube channel, how, how big is it these days? How many subscribers do you have? There? I have a... About 85,000 subscribers, I think. Yeah. Um, What's the name of your channel? Just for uh, you know, people listening, that they can check it out. You can look for my name, Daniel Welsh. Uh, yeah. I don't think I have any other name for it. Yeah, the URL should be, just be youtube.com slash Daniel Welsh. Keeping in mind that I have the least common spelling of Welsh, W-E-L-S-C-H. Yeah. And yeah, you can check that oh, out. You can also go out. to, mm -hmm. um, well, in Spanish, aprendemasingles.com, and you can see a lot of my videos on there, or madridingles.net, etc. I'm real easy to find on the internet. Yeah, well, that's really cool. I was certainly going to check it out. I will also include all the links, of course, in the show notes uh, for the listeners. Now, you get all that traffic from YouTube, from your blog, the podcast. Do um, you have any other traffic sources? I've got the, yeah, I've got different blogs. I've got the podcast. I've got YouTube. I think that's about it. But I've done a lot of SEO also over mm -hmm. the years, and so I get a lot of traffic. Also, like I'm not even sure on YouTube if subscribers is the relevant um, metric. Mm -hmm. It's what everybody talks about. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who will find your videos in search but not subscribe. So... You know, I, I'm not really sure. I get, I have about 500 videos out there and I get a couple hundred thousand viewers every month through search and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. So you get all the traffic. You, do you send these people to your website or like what do you do with that traffic in order to monetize? Uh, yeah, in order to monetize it. Well, mainly what I do is I collect email addresses. I just try to get people, yeah, I try to get people onto the website. Once they're on the website, I try to get their email address. And after that, I can, you know, sell stuff to them. And that's worked out really well. Mm -hmm. I'm also, so you have a call to action in the end of every video? What, what do you say? Call to action on the ends of videos, uh, usually it's just visit my website and once once they get to the website, they've got the pop-up and everything. And then they can stick their email address in there. I also do a certain amount of selling just through 
the website, I get enough traffic that, you know, people click on things and they'll buy my book just through the website. Or or people buy books on Amazon not knowing who I am and then they find my website afterwards. There's, you know, there's all kinds of traffic in all kinds of directions. Yeah, so actually Amazon is also an, another traffic source for you there. Yeah. That actually brings you people who have already bought your product. Yeah, which... Which means that they're more serious than people who are just clicking around on the internet. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about self-publishing because that's where the main, well, the biggest part of your revenue comes uh, comes from these days. Um, yeah, how does it work exactly, self-publishing? So you have an idea, you just publish a book and you sell it via your website or how does it work? Tell us a little bit about the, uh, yeah, how you do it, how you publish books. Well, what happened with me is I was just, you know, I was on these online forums back in the day, if you remember online forums, and there was a guy on one of these online forums who suddenly published a book on Kindle, and I was like, this guy doesn't seem to be an author or anything, I don't think he has a contract, he's just some guy on an online forum who published a book on Kindle. So I found out that you could do that, I just googled around and found out you could, you could publish on Kindle uh, pretty easily, and it's only gotten easier with time. You, yeah, you have whatever your idea is. You create some sort of book-length manuscript, which on Kindle doesn't even have to be that long. And then you, um, you know, you have to convert it into a, an acceptable format, but you can do that. You upload and uh, wait for the sales to roll in. However, um, what most people don't <laughs> want to do, most most writers don't want to do their own marketing, I guess. A lot of people who, there's a lot of people who are writers who just hate marketing and hate selling and think that, you know, people should just show up and buy their thing for no reason. If you're able to get over that and do your own marketing, then you can do a lot. So I just started um, promoting my books on my website and promoting my books on email and promoting my books on YouTube and you know now I've got people who buy the books yeah great how important is research here because like how do you decide about what you're gonna write a book or the title of your book do you do proper like research in Amazon do you look for books that are already selling well um, look for you know what kind of t for what kind of titles you don't have so much competition or you just publish whatever you want you promote it through your list how does it work exactly? Well, or what would you recommend someone, you know, wants to get started with Kindle publishing to do? You have to know your audience, and I know my audience very well because I was, you know, teaching them several hours a day for years, and um, so you kind of get a feel for what they want and what they need. But yes, also you should do keyword research. You should find out if there's, you know, go to Amazon and. Uh, and try out some titles or some topics and see what's out there. I've had mm -hmm. some, you know, some pretty big successes and some pretty big failures on self-publishing Amazon books just because, you know, I overestimated or underestimated the interest of people in these things, but, you know, it's self-publishing is free. All you've done is you've wasted some time. So, you know, it's, failure is not the end of the world there. Yeah. How many books have you published on Amazon so far? 
I think I've got about a dozen at this point. Mm -hmm. A couple of them are translations of themselves, like translations mm -hmm. of the same book into a couple of different languages. But um, for the most part, yeah, about about 10 or 12. And how many of these books are successful, would you say? I don't know, five, six have been pretty successful, yeah. and the others have been, you know, from complete wastes of time to slightly successful. It depends also on what um, on what you mean by successful, because back in the day when I was a dead broke English teacher, having, you know, a couple of books that were selling 12 copies a month was great. Not even not even because it was that much money, but it's like 30 bucks at the end of the month that I've been earning every month since then. It's just great psychologically for, you know, detaching you from the necessity to wake up at six in the morning and go to your stupid job. You know, you can, it makes you realize there are other options. Mm -hmm. How, how profitable can this be? I mean, like you were talking about like 12 sales per month. When would you be satisfied with how many sales per month and how do the numbers work out? Like what are the percentages that, that Amazon take? Because, you know, Kindle eBooks are cheap, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about the prices, but probably between what? Three and, and ten dollars, maybe something like that. Yeah, most of mine, I think the Kindle is between three and six. Mm -hmm, I see. So you need to make a lot of sales in order to make it worthwhile, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you? What, what do you think? Like, can Amazon be be profitable, or what should be the mindset for people who want to uh, want to give it a try? Well, I mean, I'm in a pretty boring and small niche, I guess. But if this is for, well, if this is for language people, we're all in these same boring small niches. Um, there's lots of people making lots of money on self-published uh, Amazon stuff. Like, didn't the Fifty Shades of Grey Girl start out self-publishing on Amazon? Mm -hmm. Something, I think. Um, there's all kinds of just self-published novels, yeah. especially where people write these serial novels. They give away the first one for free, and then they just sell the next 20. Mm -hmm. That's definitely profitable. Uh, yeah. Mine's been profitable because I've been able to put out enough stuff and keep at it for long enough that, you know, once you get a number of good reviews on Amazon, their algorithm also starts suggesting you to potential buyers and it's sort of, um, yeah, it ends up being a pretty good income. Um, it's not, for most people, it's not enough to get rich, but... Mm -hmm you can make a you know steady side income while you figure out something else if you want yeah i think you know many people don't see amazon or many people see amazon as a web shop and of course it is but at the same time it's also a search engine right so absolutely there's millions and millions of people going to amazon every day searching for spanish products and if you can create a product and you have good reviews you know then amazon might list it higher um, yeah, and those people end up buying your your book, so that's a lot of free traffic and well, almost free money once the book is all there is out there because it's it's passive income, right? Once the book has uh, has been published. Yeah, I'm not sure if passive income is the best way of saying it, but like residual income at least. It's you know you do the work once, and uh, five years later you're still earning money off of that work. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, pretty good. 
Yeah, the podcast will always talk about the importance of having a mailing list. You know, you can use a mailing list to well to sell your own courses, uh, of course, to survey for audience. But also, you can send. You know, after you. Can maybe talk a little bit about how a mailing list helps you to get higher in Amazon's rankings after you publish a new book. Well, yeah, I just um, I don't spend a lot of time just promoting the Amazon books on the mailing list, mm-hmm. but when they do these offers, you know, sometimes they'll do a ninety-nine cent offer or whatever for one of my Kindle books, and then I definitely, you know, send out a couple of emails to make sure that people get the offer and you know I've gotten a few of my books to number one on Kindle in Spain like overall number one for a couple of days which is great for my you know ego validation and also you know earn some money and it gets the books into the hands of people who might then go out and buy the other 12 books you know they buy the first one for 99 cents and then they're they're more willing to go out and buy the other 10 at normal price or the other 12 at normal price. So just for the listeners, you, uh, by the way, can you, always, can you always discount your books or can you only do that for like a week per year? Or how does it work? Like- there's a couple of different things. Um, there's, uh, if you do, what is it called? Amazon, Kindle, Premium. I don't know. There's a program you sign up for on Kindle that gives them exclusivity and in that case you can promote your own books for free for I think one week every six months or something like that or one week every three months but if you've already gotten enough sales then you're also you know they'll just occasionally email me and say hey on you know February 18th we're going to be promoting your book it's going to be 70% off or whatever. So 70% off of something that costs three bucks anyway is real cheap. And that's when I you know, send a lot of traffic to Amazon just to get people on board, just to get people to buy the one thing and then hope that they'll come back for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for the people are listening here, you, you, know, you can see as well the importance of having a mailing list because every time when Daniel has like a promotion, he sends out an email to his mailing list. All those people go to Amazon, they buy his book and then Amazon sees that, you know, that all of a sudden these books are, um, are selling very well and he might also get a lot of reviews and when Amazon sees that, it actually lists, uh, ranks you higher in their listing um, yeah, which as a result, you're even going to make more sales. So that's really the trick yeah. here on Amazon. Is, is that the trick, uh, Daniel, or are there any other that's one tricks, of tricks or strategies? That's one of the tricks. Yeah. Um, another one that I like a lot is just within the text of the book, I give people a few invitations to write me for various reasons. And so I get people who say, you know, I bought your book, I liked it. Um, I, you know, offer to send them the exercises part as a PDF or whatever. And um, and then once they've written to me, I ask them to give a review. I don't, you know, very low pressure. But if they've read the book and they like the book, then they're usually happy to leave a review. And that, you know, helps my, you know, position in the rankings also. Oh, that's that's really interesting. So, what exactly do you say in the book? You say, "Hey, okay, if you like, if you've liked the book so far, send me an email and tell me about your, 
I don't know your your struggles or <laughs> tell me what you need help with and I will personally reply or what are some of these Sometimes I say that otherwise I I like offer them a free video or I offer them a PDF with some vocabulary or the exercises yeah. from whatever book they bought Mhm and yeah most people never take me up on this but I do get a steady stream of of readers writing to me that also helps cuz I can you know, I hear from readers and I know what they're thinking and I'm able to use that for, you know, future content creation. So I know what they're doing. So it's a really good, a good, really good way to actually get to know your audience. Maybe, well, it's not really serving them, but yeah, getting to know your audience. Um, at the same time, start an engagement with them, start a conversation, see what they want, improve the relationship, yeah. get good reviews. And um, yeah, once you guess, once you have that relationship, you can also sell them more, right? Once you, once you yeah, know, people have the feeling that they know you personally. Do you? Is there like a, a funnel there? Do you have like a, f uh, a follow-up product or, or not really? Um, when people say funnel, I, ha I haven't looked into what funnels are exactly. Um, I have products at different price points. I also have online courses, which is the other. The other half of my income basically is from the online courses. So I have courses that cost 15 to 25 euros or dollars, all the way up to 177, I think, is the most expensive one at this point. So, yeah, in that case, I've got the, the people who have more money who are able to, to pay more can just buy the whole course and get the complete thing. And people who can't always have the $3 ebook. Yeah. So there's a way you really create like an ecosystem and um, Amazon is, is just part of that. It's just another traffic source. Yeah. But I guess the difference from people who come from Amazon is they have already bought your book, right? So they're more likely to buy the more expensive courses as well. Yeah. And like one of the things that I've, discovered these past years is like people write me from all over Spain and also all over Latin America. They've never used a credit card or a debit card. They've never bought anything online. And so, you know, having people coming from Amazon, at least you know that they have bought something online before, they're more likely to do it again, you know? Because otherwise, I, you know, people offer to send me money through Western Union or something, and I'm really not excited about figuring out how that works. So, so Amazon customers are already steps ahead of that to the point where they can, you know, pull out their debit card and buy my course too. It was great. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, that's another benefit. Um, good to know that. How difficult is it to publish a book on Amazon? Like, can you give, can you maybe give a few examples of um, like su successful books that you have written, examples of the titles or what you exactly do in those books and how much time does it take you to write these books and publish them on Amazon? Uh, interesting question. My most successful book, I think, is Inglés Básico, which is just basic English. Basco. English yeah. Básico. Oh, Básico, yeah. Yeah, it's just like the most boring title ever. Which, <laughs> yeah. which happens to be very keyword optimized for Amazon search. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was an accident. I didn't even think about keyword optimization when I wrote it. 
But basically what I did, I wrote the I wrote a series of blog posts that were basically all of the very basic things that you needed to know to start understanding a little bit of English. And then I put all of them together into a Word document, expanded on them, and published them as an ebook. And it's really I did the the blog posts first, so maybe I I spent a couple of months on the blog posts. Pardon the noise, there's just people out in my hallway. Um, yeah, so I spent a couple of months on the blog post, and then once I had the the blog posts together, I just um, spent a couple more weeks expanding and improving on those. You know, you have to get a designer to do a cover for you because like, well, I do, because I absolutely hate design and I suck at it, so I just hire somebody for that. And after that, um, I use a program called Scrivener, which a lot of writers use, which exports directly to, doc to document types that you can upload to Kindle. If you're using Word, I think you can also do it. You might get um, some errors or whatever, but there's plenty of ways to do it. And it doesn't need to be that difficult if you're used, like if you're the kind of person who's able to sit down and write a thousand words a day or two thousand words a day, you can get it done. If you have to like force yourself to occasionally write something, it's hard. Yeah. Well, I think that's just a great tip that you shared here. You know, for everyone who has a blog, because what you can do. Of course, one way to do it is just to, you know, force yourself to write a thousand words per day and then, you know, you're done in a few weeks and you're going to be able to publish a book on Amazon. But you can also just look at the articles that are already very popular, that get a lot of website traffic, and then just bundle those into one package, give the title and just uh, turn it into a book. That's, yeah. uh, that, that's, that, that's a great idea. So that's what you actually did. Um, when yeah, you I've done started. that a lot of times, actually. My blog posts are usually written, you know, I write them more or less like they're a letter, I guess, or an email, like a long email. I'm like, hey, everyone, how's it going? Today we're going to learn about this. You know, I have to change a lot of that stuff for the book because it doesn't make a lot of sense in book form. But, yeah, I mean, most of the important parts are unchanged in the book, and uh, and it's a lot easier that way, yeah. Now let's say I have um, I have a blog and I have hundreds I don't know, I have a hundred articles out there and I want to turn some of those articles into an ebook. What would you recommend me to do? What would you do in this case? I mean, find the most important or useful articles. It doesn't have to be the ones with the most traffic, but it could be. Um, but yeah, just decide what the most important articles are. Try to find a sort of coherent order for them and um, just edit them. Go through the whole thing a couple of times, editing and improving, because a lot of times, you know, good writing is actually good editing. And you'll be able to improve things a lot for your readers if you actually go through and make the effort. And yeah, it's after that, like the actual publishing process, you go to, I think it's just kdp.amazon.com and it's real simple to get set up there yeah 
can I just copy paste the text from my Word document into their software or do I need to hire someone to format it first or how does that process work? Well, I use, I, I mentioned before the program Scrivener. Scrivener will actually export it as an appropriate sort of file. Otherwise, I don't think you're copying and pasting, but I think at this point you can just upload a doc type file or a you know Microsoft Word type file. I've never hired anyone to format the text in in the ebooks. Now what we're able to do is also publish a paperback on the same Amazon page and that does require you know you have to hire a designer on Upwork or something to to put together a PDF file for you because otherwise I've got Actually, no, my most successful book, I formatted it myself on something similar to Microsoft Word. It's not pretty to look at, but I've sold so many copies of this thing that I don't even want to go back and change anything because what if I lose the magic, you know? Um, but, but in any case, that I did that only because I couldn't afford to hire someone at that point. Uh, if you can't afford to hire someone, then... Spend a couple of hundred bucks on Upwork and hire someone, and the result will be better. Yeah, cool. And then, and then you send your you send your text, your PDFs, or your your text formatted in the, you know in the software that you just mentioned. You send it to Amazon, or you send it to Kindle, and then how does it go? Then it takes a few days, and then it's available on Amazon, and you can do your launch. Or yeah, how long does that process take? Hours yeah. to have it. Uh, available for purchase on Amazon. You upload the file, you upload the cover file, and then you you add some some metadata, and you add you know author and title and description. You know, usually I do it all wrong, and I don't spend a lot of time on the book description. I should be spending more time on that. But once I'm finished writing the book, I'm just exhausted, so I throw together a book description with some keywords in it, and you know, put it all up and then improve it later once I've seen if anybody's willing to buy the thing or not. Okay, so let me just try to summarize everything we have learned in uh, today's interview so far. So if you want to publish a book on Amazon, number one, do you ideally you do keyword research, right? So you look for what kind of titles are already selling well, what kind of books are already selling well, what do people like about those books, what do their covers look like, could you create something better? And then basically create something better than all the other books that are already out there. Um, you can also just take a look at your blog and see which articles are already, you know, very popular. What, what kind of yeah. articles do people like? And then just bundle them, give it a good title, publish it. Um, you can either do that in a, you know, you can either write in a Word document and then export it into a format that Kindle accepts. Is that correct, uh, Daniel? Or you write it directly in Scrivener? I write it in Scrivener and then export it. Well, I, I write it on the blog, then I copy and paste blog posts into Scrivener generally. Yeah. And then so I from you Scrivener know, you can export it. Yeah, uh, then I edit on Scrivener and I export on Scrivener, yeah. Cool. Well, and then you upload your Kindle, you know, the readable form of a Kindle on Amazon. They're going to publish your book and then, of course, it's your task to promote it and you can easily do that. Well, maybe not easily, but yeah, you can do that if you have a mailing list, number one tool here. Just make sure that there is a special promotion, you know, for, for everyone who buys the book in the first week after it uh, has been published. 
they can get it for a dollar, send it to your mailing list, and then people on your list are going to go to Amazon, they're going to buy it. Amazon is going to notice that. Um, you're going to receive a lot of reviews, you're going to make a lot of sales, and Amazon is going to put you higher in the, in the listings, which makes it easier. You know, that way your book really gets picked up by, Al by Amazon's algorithm so that you can keep uh, selling in the, uh, in the long run as well. Yeah. And once you're making sales, those people are going to read your stuff and then some of the people are going to like it. They want to know more about you. They're going to your website and they might end up buying some of your more expensive courses. Um, yeah, one more question about that, Daniel, because, you know, you publish so much stuff. And, well, that was an excellent summary. And... <laughs> Great. It's going to make it easier for me to write the written form of, uh, of this interview on, uh, on our blog. But... Um, yeah, so the people, they go to your website and they say, they think, hey, I, I like this guy. I like what he has to say. I want to, I want to buy something more. Why would they spend $170 on a course uh, whilst they're going to get your, they, they can buy your books for, for $6 on Amazon? What's the big difference here? Well, the course is more complete. The course has all of the video and audio stuff. The course is also organized in a more coherent way, I guess. Um, otherwise, I don't really even... <coughs> I mean, different people have different needs, and I try to make things for different different people with different needs and different price points. Um, if people really want to, there's so much stuff for free on the internet, but they also don't need to buy the book. But they can buy the book. I buy a lot of books. And I could get the information for free on the internet. And, you know, it's just uh, information that's presented a little bit better. Yeah, cool. Any other, any final tips that you want to share with people who want to get started with Amazon? Or maybe actually, yeah, also I think what could be a good question is who is Amazon publishing for? Who should, who should do this? Is it for everyone? Or what would, you, what would you say here? I mean, it's really pretty good if you already have an audience. If you're working on, if you're just publishing and you don't have an audience, it could be really hard to eventually get people to buy the book. If you have an audience, then by all means, um, it's a great way to monetize that and to even to monetize it a little bit. It also helps to um, improve your reputation in your industry if you can say that you're the author of some guide and all of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> works pretty well especially if yeah especially as during a promotion you know when you're promoting your book for a dollars you make a lot of sales in that in that week and you're going to be the number one bestseller in a certain category right so what yeah. people often do is they make screenshots of that and they say hey here look i'm a i'm a bestseller yeah I'm, I do. I'm the writer of this bestseller book you do that as well yeah i mean you have to be able to do this shamelessly for long periods of time if you have an audience you know, don't be afraid to mention that you're a best-selling author uh, once a week forever. And because they're going to forget, they've got other things going on to uh, occupy their minds. And um, they might need a reminder that you're the best-selling author of Inglés Básico, among others. Well, now everyone who has been listening to this episode so far knows that you are <laughs> you are a best-selling author, so that's... Uh... Yes, indeed. Also, I actually have a guide to self-publishing a book on Amazon on my personal blog, 
I'll send you a link oh. to put it in the show notes, and it'll give you a lot of this information uh, in a written form, if you'd like. Well, that's really good that you mentioned that. And we're certainly going to include the link into the show notes of this podcast episode, but also on uh, the written version of this interview on our blog. Make sure to check that out. Yes, Daniel, any, any final tips for people who want to get started on Amazon? The general tip is, I guess, just what we talked about at the beginning. Just sit down every day and try to create something and put it out there and see what works and see what doesn't and improve from there because, you know, don't, don't let yourself be paralyzed by perfectionism and uh, don't let yourself, you know, just procrastinate your life away. Just put some stuff out, see what happens, and uh, eventually it'll work. Yeah, I think that's the main strategy indeed that you have been using from the beginning, you know, not just on Amazon, but also on YouTube with your blog and with the podcast. You just, you know, you're not a perfectionist at all, but you are very productive and you put a lot of good content out there. And some of that content get picked up and, um, well, that's eventually what makes a business successful, right? So, yep. well, thank you, Daniel. Thank you very much for your time. And, thank uh, you for having me. And we're certainly going to check out that, uh, what, what was it? Was it an ebook or the, like the ebook that you wrote about uh, where people can learn on how to publish a book on, on Amazon? I have a blog post which you can link to. It's a blog post. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're certainly going to check that out. So for everyone who wants to learn more, um, yeah, make sure to check it out. Daniel, thank you very much for time and have a nice day. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.